0: Well hello and welcome to the 5511 Podcast. My name is Jonathan Edders. I read an article the other day by Dr. Stephen Hine on 1517.org that really struck me. Uh, Basically, it evaluated the question of why are some saved and others not, and it said that that's a bad question because it assumes that there is a singular reason of why. And so we should ask instead, how is it that some are saved and others not? Changing the question in this way allows us to get to the root causes. In short, those who are not saved are not saved because they don't want to be, while those that are saved are saved because God wants them to be. And he explains it a lot better than I did, so I encourage you to check it out. It's called Good Questions and Bad Questions on 1517.org. But that is a good question. How is it that people are saved? And Paul goes about answering that question in Galatians. And So today we continue our study in chapter 3 as Paul keeps developing the argument for justification by faith alone in Christ alone, and relying heavily on the Old Testament to back up what he's saying. So let's get right to it. Grab your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, and get ready to dive in. Alright, so quick recap here before we start reading. Paul calls the Galatians to remember their own experience how the Holy Spirit worked in and among them after they received the Gospel with faith, and asked them if the Spirit had worked in them by that faith or by the works of the law. And then he goes back to Abraham's experience, citing how he was counted as righteous because he believed God, and all those who have the same belief as Abraham are his children and are blessed along with him. So now we'll pick up in verse 10, and actually I'm going to start reading in verse 9, here we go. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith so just in verse 10 through 14 paul quotes the old testament four times the first one cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them is quoted from deuteronomy 27:26 which reads cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them and all the people shall say amen how do you like that one? Uh, everybody's supposed to say amen after this curse is pronounced of the law. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're not going to hear that much today, I don't think. You're cursed if you don't do everything written in the law. Amen! Yeah. Anyway, moving forward, the second quote in verse 11 is from Habakkuk 2.4, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The third one in verse 12 is from Leviticus 18:5 which says you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules if a person does them he shall live by them I am the Lord. And the last one in verse 13 is citing Leviticus 18:5 which says that a hanged man is cursed by God. And then again he draws it back to the promise of God to Abraham. Paul just comes at them with this rapid fire from the Old Testament and says, You know what, Judaizers? You want to play this game? I'll play this game. You want to use the Old Testament to place people under the law? Fine. I'll use the Old Testament to prove that they aren't justified by the law. And then he proceeds to do so. Paul shows them how Christ is the fulfillment of the law that he is the blessing of Abraham, and that he was cursed under the law to redeem us from the curse of the law. Actually, he goes further than that. He says that Christ became a curse to redeem us from the curse. And this might be a little concerning at first. Is Paul calling Jesus cursed? Let me read for you what Luther says here. Jerome and his present-day followers rack their miserable brains over this comforting passage in an effort to save Christ from the fancied insult of being called a curse. They say, this quotation from Moses does not apply to Christ. Paul is taking liberties with Moses by generalizing the statements in Deuteronomy 21:23. Moses has, he that is hanged. Paul puts it, everyone that hangeth. On the other hand, Paul omits the words, of God, in his quotation from Moses, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. Moses speaks of a criminal who is worthy of death. How, our opponents ask, can this passage be applied to the Holy Christ as if he were accursed of God and worthy to be hanged? This piece of exegesis may impress the naïve as a zealous attempt to defend the honor and glory of Christ. Let us see what Paul has in mind. Paul does not say that Christ was made a curse for himself. The accent is on the two words, for us. Christ is personally innocent. Personally, he did not deserve to be hanged for any crime of his own doing. But because Christ took the place of others who were sinners, he was hanged like any other transgressor. The Law of Moses leaves no loopholes. It says that a transgressor should be hanged. who are the other sinners? We are the sentence of death and everlasting damnation had long been pronounced over us, but Christ took all our sins and died for them on the cross. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors isaiah fifty three twelve All the prophets of old said that Christ should be the greatest transgressor, murderer, adulterer, thief, blasphemer, that ever was or ever could be on earth. When he took the sins of the whole world upon himself, Christ was no longer an innocent person. He was a sinner burdened with the sins of a Paul who was a blasphemer, burdened with the sins of a Peter who denied Christ. Burdened with the sins of a David, who committed adultery and murder, and gave the heathen occasion to laugh at the Lord. In short, Christ was charged with the sins of all men, that he should pay for them with his own blood. The curse struck him. The law found him among sinners. He was not only in the company of sinners. He had gone so far as to invest himself with the flesh and blood of sinners. So the law judged and hanged him for a sinner. In separating Christ from us sinners and holding him up as a holy exemplar, errorists rob us of our best comfort. They misrepresent him as a threatening tyrant who is ready to slaughter us at the slightest provocation. I am told that it is preposterous and wicked to call the Son of God a cursed sinner. I answer, If you deny that he is a condemned sinner, you are forced to deny that Christ died. It is not less preposterous to say, The Son of God died, than to say, The Son of God was a sinner. John the Baptist called him, The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Being the unspotted Lamb of God, Christ was personally innocent. But because he took the sins of the world, his sinlessness was defiled with the sinfulness of the world. Whatever sins I, you, all of us have committed or shall commit, they are Christ's sins, as if he had committed them himself. Our sins have to be Christ's sins, or we shall perish forever. Isaiah declares of Christ, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have no right to minimize the force of this declaration. God does not amuse himself with words. What a relief for a Christian to know that Christ is covered all over with my sins, your sins, and the sins of the whole world. The argument of the Apostle against the righteousness of the Law is impregnable. If Christ bears our sins, we do not bear them. But if Christ is innocent of our sins, and does not bear them, we must bear them, and we shall die in our sins. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, thanks be to God. We have victory in Christ, because he became the curse for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul wrote that Christ became sin for our sake. So Christ became a curse, and he became sin for us. Without this, we have no hope of salvation. Christ had to become sin. He had to become the curse in order to put sin and the curse to death on the cross. We don't like to talk about Jesus in this way. We want to talk about him as our Savior and our Lord and our friend, and all these things are true. But unless he is also our sin and our curse, he cannot be our Savior and Lord and friend. So, it's important that we understand how Scripture speaks about Christ, and that we don't try to change it so we can be more comfortable. We need to speak of Christ as the Holy Spirit speaks of Him. Now notice again what Paul says in verse 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, so that, in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith." Notice that he says, we, in Christ, the blessing of Abraham comes to the Gentiles, so we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Paul wasn't a Gentile, he was a Jew, but right here he reiterates the point that Jews and Gentiles are saved and receive the Holy Spirit the same way – through faith. Again, he stresses the importance of understanding that justification has always been by faith for everyone – Jew or Gentile – and the righteous have always lived by faith. He explains that our condition is so severe that the very Son of God Himself had to become a curse for us in order that we might be saved. Jesus has put to death the wages of sin, the curse of the law, which is death. He is the death of death for us. Praise the Lord. So until next time, grace to you and peace. From God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey there, this is Jonathan Edders. Thank you for tuning in to the 5511 podcast. The 5511 is a devotional podcast that gets its name from Isaiah 5511, where God promises that His Word will do His work. The heart behind this podcast is to hear and receive God's promises day by day as He has revealed them in His Word, the Bible. You can connect with us on Facebook at The 5511 Podcast.